Vineyard Westside welcomes everyone. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Come as you are, because we believe that love wins, period. Oh, hello. Hey, how you guys doing? Rut row. Where are we? Oh, I see. My mic came undone. Thank you. If it went one more second, I would have exploded. Well, hey, if we haven't met before, my name's Ryan. Uh, I'm the senior pastor here, the lead pastor. I don't know. I'm the pastor here most of the time. Uh, I teach. We do have uh, several other people who take turns teaching. And um, if, if you're new here, I just want to let you know this is, a, this is, you found the best church. Um, it's, a, it's a really good one. It's a really good one. We're working on, we're working on making it better. I'm losing my microphone somewhere. There we go. It, the clip has, has left the building. But I'm smarter. Let's see. Bear with me. Up here, do, do we pull that? Ah, da, da. Da, da, da. Okay, so a couple things before we jump into everything. Uh, one thing is uh, for all of you who filled up Operation Christmas Child boxes, we have a bunch of them over there, some in the lobby. Thank you so much. Um, and what we're going to do, these are going to be shipping out. Uh, they're they're going to be taken out today, and so we're going to just pray over those boxes. Uh, God, thank you for the work that was done outside of them and the work that is being done inside of them, the travel that is going to take place and the receiving of a gift from you and your people. God, we just pray that those, those things inside those boxes would lead people to your son, that they would wonder why on earth... These people from halfway across the world would have spent their own money and went out and used up their own time to do that. Why would they do that? Because Jesus, you, you go over and above for us. You do things for us that we don't deserve. You come through when we don't, we just, we're not worthy of it. And you say, you're here to make us worthy. And so bless Bless those boxes. Pray that it would change the atmosphere of the houses that they show up in. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 The thing I'm starting to get excited about is that I'm seeing more and more people who are chasing after God. Um, uh, sometimes we get to points in this church where I'm going, man, is anybody chasing after God? Sometimes... We will, you know what happens is um, you have to be surrounded by other hot coals to stay hot. Uh, if you're kind of separated from the group, you're going to cool off real quick, right? And so when you're around those other people, and so for whatever reason, something is happening and people are chasing after God. Um, and, it's, and it's all kinds of people. Uh, Cassie's over here and it's her 13th birthday. And... 
you know what, when it was my 13th birthday, what, what do you want to do? And she said, I want to go to church. Because <laughs> she's chasing after God. I love you. Happy birthday. Thank you. And, it, and, it's, and it's hard sometimes, but when you, when you have people around you, it gets a whole lot easier. We had a, a funeral here yesterday. And it was just a strange, I left and I went home and I was like, that was a great day. That was a great day. Because we got to celebrate, we got to celebrate Betty's husband, Bob, and the life that he had. And the, the impact that he had on all the people around him. And how their street is different because he carried uh, an atmosphere of the kingdom of God into it. And people were trying to put their finger on, why is this street so good? Because kingdom of God people have an ability to change atmospheres. We, we have that ability. And I'm not, I'm not falsely bragging about anything. Paul said, if I boast about anything, may I boast only in what the Lord Jesus has done. And so I will boast in that because he's been doing a lot of work. Today we're going to talk about one of the things that can block that work from, from happening, and that is fear. It's fear uh, that we are scaredy cats. A lot of us are scaredy cats. Um, I want to show you a picture uh, that this is from uh, a couple years back, actually, but a, a lot of you wrote down prayer requests and things that were on your mind about uh, just you know, what you want God to do. And it was kind of crazy going through all of these. They were really neat, really cool, but about 70 to 75% of them, if you boiled them down, they were about fear. They were about fear, that I'm afraid that this will happen. I hope that this happens because I'm afraid that if it doesn't, then this could... 70 to 75% were about fear, that we're afraid of all kinds of things. The Bible says one command more than any other, fear not. Fear not. Do not be afraid. Do not worry. Because if you're a worrier, it feels like you're doing something. Worry is a rocking chair. It feels like you're doing something, but you don't get anywhere, right? But you just use up time, you use up effort, you use up brain space. And so a lot of us seem to be, a lot of us seem to be filled with fear, Filled with fear. When I was growing up, uh, I lived in an apartment complex that was pretty rough. Um, I mean, really, crimes happening constantly. It was it was a wild time, um, and all we did basically is call each other a wuss. Um, all of the and we dared each other to do more and more dangerous things, but we taught each other how to do backflips. We taught each other how to, um, you know, we could do a double backflip off of a swing. We taught ourselves how to hold our breath for two minutes in the pool. We taught ourselves how to jump over the high fence to get to the pool when it was closed. <laughs> but there was a, a, a variety of names. You better, you, you're a coward. Oh, you yellow belly. You're a fraidy cat. That's a, that's a variation on a scaredy cat. Have you ever said Frady Cat? Cry Baby? 
when this kid it, it, that lived near me, he would always call me a jellyfish <laughs> if, if I didn't want to do something. I'm like, come on, you're, uh, quit being a chicken. Namby Pamby. Come on, you cream puff. And we would just, it would just keep going until you got them to, come on, come and do the dangerous thing. Don't be a scaredy cat. Uh, today's called scaredy cats because um, we're afraid of all, well, I don't even know why that, cats aren't in the Bible. You know that? Um, I mean, lions are, but I'm not considering a wolf a dog. Lions are in there, cats are not. Um, and so it's interesting when we're being scaredy that we're being something that doesn't even really, and I'm not saying cats are unbiblical, I just mean they aren't there. <laughs> One of my favorite things, I've, I've shared this several times, but it, this is such a good point for me to remember all the time. There's a famous research project that took place with a group of monkeys where uh, I cannot remember what university it was, but they did identify a new phenomenon called the false banana phenomenon, the false banana phenomenon or effect. And basically it is this, that uh, researchers took a group of monkeys and they put them inside of an enclosure for an experiment where uh, it was only going to be for a few weeks, four to six weeks long. Uh, they had four monkeys that were placed in the enclosure and basically right in the middle of it there was a fake banana tree. The fake banana tree. And one of the monkeys, so they're, they're recording everything, one of the monkeys goes up and he tries to get bananas off of the fake tree and instead of getting one he gets sprayed with water. And so he runs away, he gets sprayed with water, no banana, false banana. Another monkey tries to do the same thing, so he goes over, he tries it, and he gets sprayed with water. And so what they do is those four monkeys, two of them so far have experienced the water spray, and now they introduce a fifth monkey into the group. The fifth monkey is introduced, and they remove one of the ones that knows what's up. And so now they're back to four monkeys, but there's a new one who doesn't know the story. And now the new monkey goes for the bananas, and the other ones stop him. Uh-uh, you're going to get sprayed. You are going to get, trust us, we know. You're going to get sprayed. And so these monkeys start to decide that it's not worth the effort, and uh, they introduce another new monkey, others stop him. Eventually, the thing that happens is that there are four new monkeys in the enclosure who won't even try to go up to the fake banana tree, even though they've never, ever been sprayed with water, and they don't know why they're staying away from it. They just know that they got to stay away as they exchange these monkeys out. None of them even knew why they should be afraid of the tree, but they knew they had to stay away. Isn't that interesting? And we're not that different, that many of us are afraid of things that we can't even really explain. Right? Did your mom or dad ever tell you something to be afraid of when you were growing up? And you're like, later on, you're like, you're 37, and you're like, what? Why was that? Crickets. A lot of us aren't even sure why, why we're afraid. 
Instead of being sprayed with water, uh, for a lot of us, maybe we've been sprayed with uh, words or thoughts. Um, you try to do something, and you got reprimanded in some way. That instead of water, you were given uh, that thing that creeps in. Don't even try. Oh, don't even try. Why even bother? You're just going to screw this up. You screw everything up. You're going to fail. You're an idiot. That'll never work. You're not good enough. That's a dumb idea. You don't have what it takes. Those are, those are, those are hard, hard things to get past. Um, you know, I believe that most men struggle specifically with uh, this thing. Hey, guys, do an experiment with me real quick. Any guys in the room, will you close your eyes for just a second? I want to tell you something. And this is a true thing about you. And it's something that maybe you're afraid is not true. You have what it takes. You have what it takes. You have what it takes. You do. And you might hear that whisper again and again and again that you don't have what it takes. Or you might think it when you look in the mirror. You have what it takes because uh, God is at your left and your right and your rear guard. The late, great DMX said that even when I'm all by myself, I still roll four deep. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They're with me all times. Ladies, will you close your eyes? This is one of those true, true, true statements that maybe you believe is false. You are enough. You are enough. You're enough. You're enough. You are because you were made to be enough. But we hear those voices. We hear those voices that say, give up before you embarrass yourself because we're used to hearing um, you don't have what it takes. We're used to hearing um, or feeling like you're not enough for something, right? And sometimes it's our voice, sometimes it's others' voices. You know, they say, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. You're right. I would take a stick upside the head rather than like somebody who said something 14 years ago and it still gets me every day. Ugh. And sometimes it's the voice of the enemy. Like you might have truth, uh, you might have truth that has creeped into your life and you know who you are and it's a piece of your identity and then all of a sudden, that's what Satan does. He comes in and he attacks identity and he says, is that really true? Are you sure you have what it takes? Are you sure that you're enough? Well, then why is he looking at porn if you're enough? Well, then um, how come she uh, talks bad about you uh, around your friends if you have what it takes? 
you start hearing those little things, man, that's the voice of the enemy. You know how I know? Because it's not God's tone of voice. It's not his tone of voice. It's not the kind of words that, that come out of his mouth. God's voice is really, really different. Some of you, you may have grown up believing that God was, he was yelling. He was screaming. He was angry. It's just so wrong. You should read the Bible. Because it says as far as the east is from the west, that's how far his, our transgressions are from us. He doesn't see any failures in you anymore. He looks at you and he says, you are enough. You have what it takes. God's tone of voice is different. It's encouraging. It's life-giving. It's hopeful. It's true. It's loving. It's nurturing. It's, it's the voice of a good father. Second Timothy 1 says, For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but it gives us power and love and self-discipline. Another version of the Bible says, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You know, uh, coming up, uh, I don't even know how long, close to uh, a year now, um, I went to winter camp at the Lindner Center um, for eight days for uh, mental health-related things. Um, I had known my whole life that I, I was bipolar, but I, I just tried to fight it. And uh, eventually it, it caught up to me, and I got an official diagnosis, and um, just all these different crazy things going on. And so I, you know what I really loved seeing in Scripture is that God hasn't given me a spirit of fear because I was afraid, I was afraid that I was losing my mind. I was afraid that um, it was over. I was afraid that, that I only made it to 39. I was afraid of all kinds of different things, but he said, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. A sound mind. Fear doesn't come from, from God. And the thing about it is that God wants to replace any fear that you have in you with faith, with truth with hope. And so God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. At some point, all of us have feared failure. We've all feel, feared failure. You mess up once and it's just kind of, I don't want to try that again because it was embarrassing. How many of you have ever prayed for someone in person and you were praying for something big? You were praying for somebody who had cancer. You were praying for someone who uh, had lost a child. You were praying for something big. And you prayed and you, you put all your eggs in the basket. And it seemed like God did not move when you wanted him to. And I know a lot of people who gave up praying that minute. That they don't pray for people anymore because they're afraid that they're going to have that feeling again. A lot of you, you just, you don't want to, you don't want to fail as a mom or a dad, and so uh, maybe you'll become so control, you're, you're trying to control everything so that nobody can fail. Overall, fail. It, it's not going to work, it's not going to work that well over time. 
You don't want to fail as a son or a daughter. And so um, maybe you'll fixate on getting good grades or, or you'll, try to, you'll try to put on an image and, and maybe you have an opportunity to connect with your mom or dad in a real way that is just something beautiful if you let go of the fear. We don't want to fail at our job. Uh, deathly afraid for me to fail at my job. And you guys just keep letting me off the hook for different things. Thank you so much. Thanks. Oh, no. Told you. Uh, when I was in middle school and high school, I was a, a wrestler, very involved in it. Uh, my, I was raised by a single dad, and so he was working a lot of the time. I would be at wrestling practice or at wrestling meets after, after school, and my dad didn't get to go to a lot of them, and secretly, I didn't want him to, uh, because as a person with ridiculous anxiety on things, um, I would lose every time he was there. <laughs> and I would lose against people that I shouldn't have lost against. But I would catch a glance of him in the crowd, and it would just, oh no, dad's here. <laughs> and I'd win when he wasn't, I'd come in, and he would say, he's like, well, I guess I'm just going to stay away. Because you keep winning whenever I'm not there. Because it would be one of those things where I was afraid of letting him down, so I would psych myself up in a way that wasn't productive. Um, anybody who knows me knows that I am terrible, terrible, terrible with directions. Uh, I get lost. I, I'm lost right now. <laughs> but I, I, just, I, I never know where I am, and my wife always knows where she is. Like, she always, I mean, she's, we could be in a field with nothing, and she's just like, I think that, I don't know how she does it. But the thing is, I'm ridiculously terrible with directions only when somebody else is in the car. I'm serious. Anytime I'm alone, I get right to the place. I have no problem. I go right there. Yeah, maybe I took a wrong turn here or there, but I get there. But if somebody else is in the car, mm, I'm lost. Because I'm, oh, am I supposed, I think it's left, but maybe it's right. Fear makes you second guess yourself. It'll hold you back from uh, experiencing things that, that God has for you. It'll, it'll hold you back from having a sense of direction. It'll hold you back from uh, just, just so many different things. I'm going to read you a story about fear that Jesus, about a fear that Jesus told that people always hold on to. This is in the Gospel of Matthew. It's in chapter 25. It says, again, it'll be like a, a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold. To another, he gave two bags and to another one, one bag. I always think, were these three guys standing together? Like, you get the one bag, you're like, what the? I have a one bag face, I guess. 
And it says, to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and he put his money to work and he gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags gained two more. But the man who had received one bag, he went off and he dug a hole in the ground and he hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and he settled accounts with them. The man who has received five bags of gold brought the other five. And he said, Master, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained you five more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came and he said, Master, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Verse 24, it says, Then the man who had received one bag of gold came and he said, Master, I knew, I knew that you're a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. So here's a, here's a, here's a guy making up a story in his head. All of a sudden, the other two are just like, uh, this is what we were given to do, and we're going to go do it. And the third guy, instead of going and doing it, he starts making up a story in his head. about well, I knew that I didn't want to get in trouble, and I've heard some things. I've heard that this is why uh, gossip is listed right next to murder in Scripture uh, in severity of offenses because gossip will, it, it will create the story that is not true. I was afraid, so I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I haven't sown, and I gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers, so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is a story Jesus is telling to a crowd of people. And they're like, yeah. Like, it's kind of harsh. But it's, it's that fear of what might happen. That fear of what might happen. The story that is getting made up in your head. The fear of what you may have heard. The fear of what could happen that keeps you from sharing in the blessing, that fear uh, all of a sudden paralyzes you. It paralyzes you. And Jesus is very strong about this because he's saying, if you let that story creep in, oh, you are gonna, you're going to miss out on 11 bags. You're going to miss out on all of them. Because if you have just a little bit, uh, it's going to be taken from you too because you're full of fear. You're not going to be able to hold on to that. The other two guys, they overcame their fear of failure. 
and they, they took a risk. They took a risk. Some of you would, you, would you say that you've ever actually taken a risk, like a faith risk? Anybody, like, I know for, and I'm not trying to be mean, but um, I know a lot of people who are believers who have never taken any kind of faith risk. Um, the believers who were following Jesus were dying all over the place. A lot of them were crucified upside down. A lot of them were burned upside down naked. A lot of them were um, buried up to their waist and had stones thrown at them because of the crazy faith risks that they were taking, where they said, we have to bring this gospel into this country, but this country is evil, and they want to kill us. Should we do it? Yep. Let's go. I was paralyzed by fear um, 10 or so years ago now. Uh, we started this church uh, with our senior pastor, Tim Ermston. Um, I did not expect to work at a church ever in my life. Uh, I kept volunteering in more and more things and beginning to lead different ministries and things to the point where uh, they said, we, your regular job is getting in the way of what we want you to do at church. And so we want to hire you. And so I came on staff. I didn't know what I was doing. I still don't. <laughs> There's not really a handbook all the way. But I loved being the, the second in command. I loved uh, Tim's leadership. I loved that he's totally wired differently than me. That he's a dreamer, that he comes up with these lofty things. And I'm like, what the heck? How are we going to pull that off? And we worked well together. And after some time, you know, Tim was uh, leading this church. And he also owned a market research company. And he was trying to do both things at the same time. And it just, it just eventually wasn't going to work anymore. And so Tim announced that he was going to be stepping away from his position. There was a... I got a phone call that there was a unanimous decision that they wanted me to be the guy. I said, I don't want to be the guy. I don't want to be the guy. Well, thank you, but I didn't want to be the guy. And I remember I walked down my driveway, and I walked up and down the street, and I just sweated. And I just wasn't ready. I wasn't ready for it. And I was paralyzed with fear. Because I thought, what if everybody leaves? I thought, well, but I think I'm too young to do it. Well, I mean, what if I kill this church? What if nobody gives money and I can't feed my kids anymore? Really? That's where it comes from. Spoiler alert, that's part of it. What if nobody gives money and I can't feed my kids anymore? It was, it was, work, it was working pretty well. But I knew that God wanted me to do something. I just wasn't sure how it was going to work out or, or, or if it was going to work out. 10 years ago. Thank you guys for being here. And thank you. Thank you. Some of you might be in that spot right now, though. You're, maybe you have this vision to start a business, but you're afraid. Because what if the financing doesn't come through? What if it fails and I end up being even worse off than I am now? What if it's a bad idea? Or maybe you want to get married, and it's always been a dream, but you're afraid. 
Because you say, well, what if I end up getting hurt again? Because every, every guy has broken up with me and, and hurt me badly. So it'll be even worse if I get married, right? And so we start pushing that, that idea of marriage away. And we start saying things like, well, getting married is just a piece of paper. Right? Tell you what, I've never even seen that piece of paper. And it's way different than not being married. Because <laughs> now it's, you're committed to each other. Now it's not, uh, I'm just going to throw my bag of crap in a car and drive away. No, you're, 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 <laughs> you're together. The Bible says that when two become, the two become one flesh, that now when you get married, it's like uh, one of you is an egg yolk and one of you is an egg white. You get married and you get scrambled. And you can't unscramble an egg. You can't. Like you're, you're bonded to each other. And anybody who has been through a divorce and it's so painful, you know you're still bonded to that person. You just do. What if I end up getting hurt again? What if I trust somebody and it comes back to bite me? What if, maybe God is challenging you to be the spiritual head of your household. Um, I know a lot, of, a, a lot of women who they secretly want their man to step up. I remember laying in bed a long time ago with my wife and just one of those kind of Staring at the ceiling, peaceful times, my wife leaning over to me and saying, uh, you are the spiritual head of this family. Yeah. And I might, uh, I might have concerns sometimes or something like that, but I want, I want you to know that ultimately whatever you decide, that's what we're going to do. And I was just laying, and I went, oh, <laughs> Thanks. No. <laughs> the weight, the weight of it. All of a sudden, the weight of it comes down. Well, what if I don't know enough? What if I don't pray right? What if I let my family down? That's a fear of failure. Everybody experiences it. But what does it say? God doesn't give us a spirit of fear. He gave us a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. You know what sound minds know about? Uh, sound minds know that you're going to fail. Sound minds know you're going to fail. You know, when you hear somebody talking, you're like, they're kind of talking. That's crazy talk. When they're going, I can't fail, I can't fail. No. Like, mm, yeah, you can. Everybody, you're going to fail. James chapter 3, it says, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who's never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Eh. I don't know anybody like that. I know a bunch of people who say the wrong things. And right now, with the freaking pronoun stuff going on, it's fun to watch. <laughs> because certain people who are like, they're the pronoun police, and then they accidentally say something, they're like, <gasps> <laughs> Because you're going to fail, you're going to mess up, you're, gonna, you're not going to be able to keep doing it perfect. One of the things that I want you to hear today more than anything else is that um, failure is an event, it's never a person. Failure is an event, it's never a person. 
And so that's one of the things that I would say about myself uh, when I was down, when I was going through, just that I'm a failure, that I'm a failure. And I start to get back into my sound mind and recognize that's not, I'm not a failure. I just failed. Or that thing failed. Failure is an event. It's never, ever, ever a person. If you're in this room right now and you're saying, yeah, but I'm a failure, man, shut up. (laughs) No, no, you're not. You just aren't. Failure is an event. It's not a person. And just because you fail at something doesn't mean that you're a failure. You're going to fail. It's part of the growing process. It's part of what you have to do to get to success. Romans 5 says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. How many of us would pray for perseverance? Patience. No, you don't. You don't pray that, God, give me an opportunity to struggle and just see my way through it over the Oh, it gets developed through that because you won't ever pray about it. Sometimes we hit the wall, sometimes we fail, we run into problems, trials, whatever it is. And it's exciting once you get to a place where you know that God is doing something in the midst of it. That Yeah, that was a massive failure, but what did I learn? Or what was God doing? Through the Spirit of God, through Jesus, you can overcome. The truth in the Word says that you're an overcomer, that... You can overcome anything. Proverbs 24, it says, For though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. And Jesus went on even further uh, in the New Testament. He said, uh, so if somebody screws up, are you supposed to forgive them seven times? And Jesus said, more like 70 times seven times. I get knocked down. Chumbawamba? There's a university professor who's a master potter who had a huge group of students, and he every year teaches uh, one of the, the core lessons that he goes through that seems to help people more than anything is uh, the new students who come in He separates the class out into two halves, and he says, we're going to take three hours together. And uh, for you in this half of the room, maybe 40 students or so, on this half of the room, I want you to use the three hours to make the the perfect clay pot. You have three hours. And so I want you to focus completely on quality. For the other half of the class, these 40 students, he says, I want you to focus on quantity. I want you to make 100 of them. This half is going to make one. This half is going to make 100. And we'll bring them back together at the end. At the end of the class, there were a dozen clay pots that were perfect. A dozen clay pots that are better than the one that was the quality pot. Why is that? A dozen of them. Because the professor said, the first pot that you made was ugly. And the second one was ugly too. And the third one, well, it wasn't very good at all. But each time that you made one, you learned something. And before long, you were learning so much that the quality of your work improved. 
and you succeeded because you didn't fear a failure anymore. And so you get in there and you mix it up and you let some things happen and you don't be afraid of failing. What ends up being the result? 12 times the success of those who are trying to make it perfect the whole time. Galatians 6 says, Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. If we do not give up. When you fail, it doesn't matter. Um, honestly, it doesn't matter what happens to you when you fail. It, it really matters what's happening in you. Um, are you failing forward? Are you failing in a way that you're, okay, I'm going to make that pot differently now. <laughs> I learned something. I'm going to, you know what? That relationship failed. That relationship failed. That one failed. I'm going to do something different because I learned some stuff. Or are you going to go back to the same old thing? Proverbs says, like a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool returns to his folly. Dogs are gross. <laughs> and so are we. We're like, oh, that was dumb. <laughs> Man, and now if you're in the dating scene, we need to pray for anybody in the dating scene right now. It's hard out there. And I'm talking to people, friends of mine who are dating. I'm just like, I don't even know what you're, what? That's an app? Who is, how do you, do you meet in real life ever? Like, how, but that there's, the kind of cool thing is that there's, you know what? There's quantity. Are you, are you trying to find that one exact right person? Like the pot that didn't turn out very well? Or do you have quantity on your side where you can go through and you can learn some things and say, well, I know what I don't want, that kind of guy. I know what I don't want, her kind of attitude. We planted a vineyard church on the west side of Cincinnati, and we were told it was going to fail. Um, they urged us to plant it somewhere else. They tried to point us at Beachmont. They tried to point us at uh, Eastgate, a, a few different places. They said, not, the west side's not going to work. It's 90% Catholic there. It's too much of a risk. And the vineyard overall, they were going to be helping to fund the startup Ultimately, they ended up giving us $60,000 to begin with. And we said, this, this is where we keep being called to. We drove all over the city, and we, we hit the west side, and we're like, oh, it's here. It's here. It's here. There's not, there's not anything like this here. Oh, yeah. Everybody said, that's, that's not, and there were no good spaces available. You know, we walked through the Western Rollerama multiple times. We almost bought that as our church, but we couldn't afford it. <laughs> like, multiple times, we went through, uh, are we going to be able to keep the covered wagons? No. <laughs> that would have been pretty cool if we got it, though. We heard from people, oh, Westsiders like to hold on to their money too much. You know what I've noticed? Everybody does. Like, well, everywhere. But the thing was, like, we, we were called to take a faith risk. And you can't play it safe if you really want to please God. If you really want to 
if you really want to make a move for the kingdom, you have to take some risky moves. A lot of us, our greatest fear is failure. Um, the thing that's terrible is that um, that greatest fear of failure can end up being your greatest regret, your greatest pain. Uh, I've been with many people on their deathbeds, and they, they're never saying, I wish I was at work more. They're never saying, I wish that I didn't go on those vacations with the kids. They're ne- it's, not, it's not ever things like that. It's, it's regret about the, the faith risks that weren't taken. Don't let the fear of failure overtake you. It costs way, way, way too much. Yeah, I'm way out of time. Uh, I'll, end, I'll end with this. Um, my, my oldest daughter, Ava, is 16 now. She is getting her license currently. What the heck? Um, like driving a vehicle with gas in it. Well, that girl, um, about 12 years ago when she was four, she was a little nut job, and she would stand on the back of the couch, and if I was walking by, um, she would try to jump on me. One of these times, it wasn't even close. And she does some kind of maneuver where she's going <laughs> to land on her head, and I'm walking past, and I have to do this, this Flintstone stop, and go back the other way, and I barely catch her. And I said, what, what are you doing? Why'd you do that? He said, I knew you'd catch me. I knew you'd catch me. I barely did. But, but she had that faith that I was going to catch her. Um, our Heavenly Father wants the same thing. He wants you standing on the back of the couch. He wants you jumping. He wants it to not look like it's going to work out and grab you. And for you to be in a place where you say, I knew you were going to catch me. I knew you were going to catch me. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for, for catching us. Thank you for, thank you for catching us even after a bad jump. God, thank you for uh, showing us that you do not expect perfection from us because the author and perfecter of our faith was hung on a cross so that we didn't have to be the author and perfecter. That you recognize that we could not, could not ever be perfect. And so you had to bring a perfect sacrifice. Jesus, thank you. Jesus, thank you that you did a thing that we could never do. Thank you for giving us 70 times 7 chances. You're not the God of second chances. You're the God of 500 chances. And if we feel like we're using those up, you show up and drop 500 more. Lord, we love you. We're amazed by you. We want to be people who walk in, who walk in faith who aren't afraid to take risks for the kingdom of God because we know that you are at our right, our left. You go before us. You're behind us to make sure that we don't get knocked back. 
Give us favor for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. God bless you. I love you guys. I hope to see you all soon. And um, you guys have a good day. For more information about Vineyard Westside, please visit vineyardwestside.com.